Welcome to the good, the bad, and the horrible. A weekly podcast where OG millennials have honest and candid conversations about dating, sex, yes, butt stuff, relationships, entanglements, and everything in between. Starring your host, Scarlett Prynne. Pull those anal beads out slowly. This is not a lawnmower. You don't want to hit a snag. <laughs> And featuring guests, Vixen Moore. No, the more hyper-masculine and alpha a guy is, the more he's going to want to be fucked in the ass. <laughs> Lila Moon. Please, for the love of God and everything holy, do not say my <laughs> name during sex. <laughs> Mako Cox. Whose dick do I got to suck the suck some dick around here? <laughs> and occasionally emerging from behind the scenes, the producer, Spider. Kinky is using a feather. Perverted is using the whole damn bird. <laughs> so Mako and I had a crazy experience this week. How would you describe it in one word? Now you're going to get me thinking for like five minutes to find the exact right <laughs> word. Okay, so You can't ask three. me about the, what the best word would be to okay, describe I'm it. I'm going to say orgasmic. That was not my experience. <laughs> Especially not with my mother. <laughs> so we went to this event that was just breathing exercises for three hours. And I had an experience that I can only describe as orgasmic because it was better than an orgasm. Better? I'm not even kidding. Not even kidding. With just breathing. No, we can do that anywhere. <laughs> exactly. But Mako, as she said, did not have the same experience. It was not as transcendental for you? No, it was definitely not orgasmic. It was... <laughs> I did not receive the same euphoric experience. It was more about like re-experiencing repressed emotions mm -hmm. and learning new things about myself than anything. So I had originally found out about this event on Instagram. There was all of these ads advertising the fact that this guy, I didn't even know who he was, was coming to Dallas. It had all these videos of people like crying and wailing. And did you post something about it in Discord? Yes. I yeah. Did. Okay. Because I, I, it's on her channel. Yeah. Because when you said that you were talking about that tonight, I was like, that sounds really familiar. I feel like I read about that. Yeah. <laughs> where did I read about that? On <laughs> my channel. On your channel. That's where it was. I keep you guys informed of my happenings. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> it was so related to so many others, though, that I had to jump through like four different channels being like, where was that? Where was it? Because I was going to look it up to find out which technique it was. And I was like, hold on. Got to check. Nope. Not in that one. Not in that one. Not in that one. If it's regarding oh, all something like, that I did, it's probably on the Scarlet channel. So I saw all these videos and I'm like, this is really interesting. And then it said something about years of therapy in one night. I'm like, huh, okay. That hooked you. This is interesting. <laughs> Let's try it. You know me. As Lila keeps saying, down I'm to clown. Down to clown. <laughs> that, that is slightly accurate. I don't know about years of therapy, but my therapist did tell me that I have a lot of repressed anger. And I literally just did not believe him. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, if I had, I would know if I had repressed anger. <laughs> and then that uh, night you figured out. And that out. night, I definitely figured out that I have repressed anger. So even he couldn't really pull that out of me. I had to experience it through this. And we'll get into more details on that 
So can you give us an, an overcap of what the experience was? Yes, absolutely. I'm going to give She's you ready. detailed because I have notes, guys. I am prepared tonight. I never come in here with notes, but I was like, I need to make sure I'm writing all this out so I don't forget anything. I'm prepared tonight. You are. And you got here early. I know. What's See? going on? Years of therapy in one night. <laughs> See all the problems that are being solved already in my life? It's crazy. So we get inside and there we immediately see this huge line of people. Everyone's got yoga mats because we were told to bring yoga mat, pillow, blanket. chapstick, water, and a blanket. Mm. That's what we were told to bring. So you can see that other people around the hotel are looking like, what in the world is going, <laughs> going on, on here? Is this one big like yoga class? What's going on? An orgy? What's going on? <laughs> so we get in line. I realized that, you know, a lot of these people that are attending this event, I follow this guy. I don't even know his name. Even now, I don't know what this guy's name is. I, ne- I have not followed any of his social channels. I have no idea what he talks about on the regular. You know, he's some kind of like healer or coach or something. But I'm going into this with zero expectations or knowledge of what this guy's about. And the tickets were actually not very much. If I remember, because it was like $35. It was not that expensive. Yeah. So we get into the room and it's a completely empty hotel ballroom. And everyone is just putting their yoga mats anywhere on the floor. And he said there's about 250 people in attendance tonight. And there was almost no floor space. I felt sorry for anyone that came late because I was like, I don't know where they're going to find a spot because it was pretty filled up. So it was just basically side-by-side yoga mats throughout this whole giant ballroom. So the first thing he did was give this speech about 15, 20 minutes. He talked and he started by saying, you are the medicine, which I thought was really interesting. He was talking about how he's tried all these different things, different medicines, different drugs. But he was like, I've come to realize that you are the medicine. He was warning us, kind of giving disclosures up front. He said, if you're coming in here expecting a yoga class or a calming meditation situation, you're in the wrong place. He said, this is going to be like an exorcism. So he's sitting here giving all these disclosures saying some of you are going to be throwing up tonight. Some of you are going to be sobbing. Did anybody? Some of you are going to be. I don't know. I was too caught up in my own shit. I didn't throw up. I didn't throw up neither. This is not something where you could focus on, at least from my perspective, you couldn't focus on what anyone else was doing. Certainly not. No. No, There's just so much going on in your own head. So there's no, because I would feel like embarrassed that other people were watching me, but there's none of that. No one was watching. Everyone was doing their own if you were if you were actually doing the exercises you were experiencing too much you were not focused on anyone else oh yeah but he did ask if there was anyone uncomfortable with being filmed and they put a post-it note on your mat if you did not want to be filmed he said i don't want anyone worried about experiencing what you're experiencing and worried about being on instagram or whatever so please let us know if you don't want to be photographed but i'm thinking while he's giving all these disclosures i'm thinking okay he's just going worst case scenario here like he's just trying to give us Mm -hmm. like this is how bad it might get and this is probably like an outlier situation so i'm just thinking yeah right i mean that just sounds like all this sounds really (laughs) far-fetched he was not exaggerating can i just say that exaggerating he was not exaggerating everything he said was gonna happen i don't know about the throwing up but everything else that he said was gonna happen you got exercise happened (laughs) in a sense so i'm now gonna give my disclosures about this episode 
we're going to get into a lot of spirituality here. We're going to talk a lot about frequencies and energy and the paranormal, a lot of these type of topics. So this is not going to be your happy-go-lucky who's getting laid this week episode. So I just want to put that out there up front. If this is Although this... I did get laid this week, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> How, you didn't you drop that on the last episode? <laughs> While this was, for me, an orgasmic experience, it had nothing to do with sex. Yeah. It was a great release. I got the opposite of late. I got relationship troubles after that. (laughs) So I just want to put that disclosure out. Proceed at your own risk. And I will say this, too. This is kind of going to be a part two to our paranormal episode, which was bonus episode number one, where I had talked about all the paranormal shit that we experienced after my first husband passed away. There's a lot of things that this experience brought up for me personally that relates directly with a lot of those events. So I'm going to be kind of referring back to things that I told in that episode. So I would definitely recommend if you are interested in these topics, go listen to that one first and then come back to this one. All right. So here he's giving all these disclosures and he's telling us whatever rises up in you, don't fight it. Like, let it come. So he told us that at the very beginning. And he also said, let your expectations go and let your experience be your experience. Don't be looking at people around you. You know, if the guy next to you seems to be just having this explosive experience and you're not feeling anything, let your experience be your experience without any expectations because everyone's experience is going to be different here. And he was so right about that because even with Mako and myself, we, just the two of us, had very different experiences. Mm-hmm. He also told us, you guys are first going to feel it in your hands. He said you're going to get what he called lobster claws. He said it's going to be very weird because you're going to start feeling it in your hands and you're not going to be able to move your hands. It's going to be like they're paralyzed. And I was like, that's interesting. Okay, what's that about? Everything that he said happened just like that. So he was talking about how his practice was activating the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous systems. The parasympathetic being something that regulates your internal uh, like body, like your, for instance, your heartbeat and your blood flow. It's supposed to keep it steady. Your sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight. Basically, what I kind of perceived as happening when we were doing the breathing was it seemed to be almost like simulating a panic attack, but without the panic. And it was a very strange experience for me. Let's talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. So So, the other name where we have fight or flight is rest and digest. Yes, that's that's what I saw for the Mm -hmm. parasympathetic. Yeah. So that's what he was saying, basically, that this is activating. So... We get started and he told us first to sit up and he said, we're going to first do about 20, 25 minutes of warm up. And so we're sitting up and he's teaching us how to breathe from our gut, like down low. Like diaphragm breathing. Right. Like using our stomach to breathe, not our chest. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about how much more of your lung capacity you get when you breathe from there. And then he started having us beat our chests. And he was saying that your lungs get air pockets and that if you beat your chest, you're getting rid of those air pockets to bring more breathing capacity. Capacity. And so he's having us do all these things to increase our ability to breathe, Mm -hmm. basically, to get more air. 
Which and was great because it was fucking hard. It was. <laughs> no joke. At the end of that 20 minutes, I had felt like I had been jogging for an hour. I, I've never jogged for an hour, so I don't actually know what that feels like. <laughs> but that's what I imagined jogging for an hour would feel like. It, I mean, didn't it feel like a workout? Oh, my God. I was exhausted. <laughs> it was. It was exhausting. Like, in, in, we were, like, out of breath. Like, like yeah. trying to, like. <laughs> I was literally, like please man let me like take a minute <laughs> give me five like yeah so he was like keeping the rhythm pretty fast at that point and making sure he kept telling us fill it up like get in there get it all filled up but in a fast pace like hyperventilating so, almost yeah it felt very similar to hyperventilating mm -hmm. but the difference was it was like I don't know. It was like timed. It was guided. But mm -hmm. like I said, it felt extremely similar to a panic attack. So vagal nerve stimulation would probably be the closest thing. We actually studied it in one of the labs that I worked in. And you have a triggered memories of flashbulb memories of where were you at 9-11 or car accidents, things like that, that you remember things very, very detailed. But if you could trigger that in that hyper learning during a time when somebody is getting therapy, you can learn to be unafraid to counteract PTSD afterwards. That's amazing. And so I'm thinking if the, he, his treatments were doing the same type of vagal nerve stimulation, that would be what would be triggering nausea in some people. Mm. And part of the thing that I mentioned, the other breathing technique that I knew about not knowing exactly what y'all's was, I said, you have to lay down. Like, don't try to do this while you're driving. You're going to be hallucinating. And it is even just in the 10, 15 minutes that I did on that one. Yeah. Coming out of it being like, oh, yeah, that's. <laughs> and I was like, OK, is it oxygen deprivation that's making you hallucinate? No, because you're getting so much oxygen. So mm -hmm. it's kind of the opposite. You're overloading your system on oxygen. Interesting. And yeah, it's very fascinating. And I'll get into more later because I had some trippy stuff happening. So what you were describing, though, about the PTSD treatment, I had been listening to this audiobook, The Body Keeps the Score, which is a lot about PTSD and like serious trauma and all these various treatments that they've used to treat this kind of thing. And it's funny because the morning of when this event happened, I was listening to that audiobook on my way to my first appointment. And it was, he was telling this story about this patient that he had had that had taken theater. And in this chapter, he was talking about the therapeutic aspects of theater of all things, which was really interesting. But in this theater class, they were working on breathing exercises and the, the teacher was teaching the class how to breathe from their gut, just like we did later that same day after I had heard this. And this guy, this patient had realized that every time he did this breathing exercise, he felt pain in his ribs. And later when they asked him more questions about that, it had come out that his mom had broken a rib when she was pregnant with him. And he had gone through all this trauma as a premature baby, he had gone in the hospital multiple times, almost died multiple times. And he had always blamed himself for like what he had put his mom through. And somehow he was having, you know, and you mentioned Vixen, maybe it was some kind of sympathetic pain or something associated with that. And so as part of the treatment, they said, do the scenes as your mother, as if you are comforting you as a child, but as the role of the mother. And by doing that, 
later that day, he was able to do something for the first time that he had never done before, which was to orgasm in the presence of another person. So something got unplugged there with the His that chakra exercise. got unblocked. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. So, it, it, but what was so eerie to me is that I had listened to that story the same day we're going to do these breathing exercises. So. What's funny about that, though, is that I think having listened to that that morning kind of put that in my consciousness because this first 20 minutes of exercises, I started realizing there was a couple of places in my body where it felt uncomfortable. And because I had just listened to that, I was paying more attention to that. And so I was like, hmm, I wonder if something's going to come up about any of that. You know, and so I, I feel like this hasn't been the first time or the first thing that something has come into my consciousness right before some other event in my life. And I'm like, it feels like the universe is like setting up blocks of information for me to be able to somehow receive something else that's coming down the pipe. So we're doing these 20 minutes and then he kind of makes a joke saying, I know all of you are thinking if this is what we're doing for three hours, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I know you're exhausted. And so he told us then that we could lay down. And I think everyone was like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Where's my pillow? Mm -hmm. At that point we were all very ready to lay down. So he had us lay down. He took us into different breathing exercises. And he told us it's going to be like three to four minutes, each rhythm that we do or each technique that we do. And then there'll be a minute break. And then we're going to do a different one. And it was just various things, fast rhythms, slow rhythms. At one point he had us doing one where we were squeezing our butthole at the same time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sometimes he would tell us breathe from your stomach. Sometimes he would tell us to breathe from our chest. Sometimes he would tell us both. Sometimes he would say breathe with your throat. Sometimes he would tell us inhale twice, like you would do as big of a breath as you could, and then you would take more. And then I started to wonder, is this so much about the breath or is it more about the mind-body connection? Because I realized he was constantly telling us to do something that required a very conscious effort to focus on a particular area of your body. Yeah, it gave you no room to think about, what am I going to have for like dinner later? Yeah, <laughs> right, because he was he was giving you very conscious like you need to breathe from your throat your you know your your stomach you need to do it twice you because need to do this breathing you know? is not something we normally think about right it's usually just an automatic right. process so by doing that you're like okay you have to think about yes. my breathing <laughs> right and where i'm doing it yeah from. right and so i started thinking i wonder if this is more about the mind-body connection than it is about the breathing itself mm-hmm. it's i mean also about hypnosis one of the times that i've been hypnotized the started at your toes and forced you to focus on every single part of your body and the different relaxation that it would take to release whatever tension you were holding in that part. And they did all of that leading up to Mm. you had to be relaxed enough to go into the state of hypnosis to then be open to receiving. So if they're keeping up a certain rhythm and triggering that relaxation Mm -hmm. in you, so you would be open to whatever they are suggesting. Yep. So... I lost track of time. So I don't really know how much time passed between things. And it was so hard because, you know, of course, I knew I was going to talk about this on the podcast. And so I remember thinking, how am I going to remember all of this? Because there was so much. I mean, it's very surreal how being in that state of mind 
how much flies through your mind. And so I remember thinking, how the fuck am I going to remember all of this? There's so much I need to talk about. So I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to create a room. It's going to be my memory room. (laughs) It's going to be my memory room. And all the memories are going to be kept here. And I'm not going to forget. Like, this is what I'm thinking about. Did it work? Well, no, (laughs) no, it did not. I guarantee now. Not if you're you're not supposed to be focusing on that stuff. Which I knew. right? I knew. I'm like, I can't be focused on this. Right. So I'm just going to create a room so I can, you know, it was more of a mental exercise for me to not to stop thinking about it. It was like, I'm going to have this room and that's going to keep all the memories. You were giving yourself permission to not to try not, to remember. To not think, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And Mitch has been <laughs> nodding along with you as you've been talking and when you were talking about like not having a sense of time and things yes, like that. Yeah. She agrees. <laughs> I ain't got nothing to say. I'm just listening. <laughs> <laughs> so the hand thing started. You remember how he talked about the lobster claws? I started getting that sensation. I was like, he was totally right. Like, it's weird. It's trippy. It's like your hands are completely paralyzed. It was the weirdest thing. And that's exactly where it started. For me, it actually started in my face more than anything. My face felt incredibly like tense and tingly. I was going to ask, did it tingle? Yeah, it was a lot of tingling happened over that uh-huh. night. Just oh. Yes. Yeah. So then the vibrations started at some point. And that's obviously the idea, I think, is to raise your frequency. And so it's so funny because every time I talk about this, I start feeling it in my hands. Yeah. So I started feeling it in my hands first. Like, you know, it's if I could compare it to my magic wand or jackhammer, (laughs) something like that, that's got intense vibrations, but it's coming from within the body. So I'm starting to get that in my hands. Then it's eventually everywhere. Like it is all throughout the body. It's like you have a magic wand inside somewhere <laughs> and your whole body is vibrating, but you're not moving, yeah. right? It's not like you're shaking, you're not convulsing or anything, but it feels like you are because you're vibrating so much from within. Did you have that happen? I did not. Plain and simple. <laughs> I did not. I ain't got nothing else to say. I just, well, nope. So I'm wondering if my experience was what it was because I had some groundwork leading up to this. I had mentioned in my paranormal episode that we had all this crazy shit going down after my husband had committed suicide. And Mako, of course, you actually could see these things. Yeah. When I was like five, right after father passed, I started seeing, I don't know if you talked about the shit I've seen. Well, I, I can, I, I can do a short little I just little basically summary. said in summary, it was scenes that you would see in a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, Sixth Sense was happening in our house. Yeah. It fucking sucked. I remember if I can do a short little summary, I remember at one point I woke up, I had a bunk bed. Uh, so I woke up on the top bunk in the middle of the night and I looked around my room and they were like, books all over my room which doesn't seem off-putting but you know i didn't those books weren't there like (laughs) i did not have that many books in my room as like a five-year-old so there were just books all over my room and i remember there was letters on the books that spelled something out i don't remember what it was so there was that there was books everywhere and in the corner of the room there was a boy in a skeleton costume which is the only way i could really describe it and he was like staring right at me with like these weird goggle eyes 
And then I think the like the worst part of it, like I was already starting to get tripped out, but like, so I, I lay back down and then like the part that like made me scream at the top of my lungs was I saw this giant hand over me and I was, it literally looked like a giant fucking Hulk hand. And I, I think I remember screaming and my mom running by and turning on the lights and everything was gone. It, it was fucking. So me as a parent, of course, I have this five-year-old that is going through through these horrible terrors and describing things like I said and, and and that was not the worst of things that you had described to me I mean it's just things from a horror movie is the only way I can yeah. describe I remember there was tentacles coming from the closet that would cover the room and I remember at one point I saw this was nothing, it wasn't even at our house it was at my grandmother's house I saw on the on the curtain there was a man being hung up by an axe and like bleeding out on the curtain yeah, so it was it was trippy stuff. And I was not seeing anything, but I was feeling it. And this is where I say maybe this is why I have more of a different experience because I seem to be a feeler. So I would have the hair standing up on edge or I'd have like in the middle of the night, the paralysis where I could not move anything. I'd literally be sitting there going, move a toe, move a leg, anything. And I could not physically move anything. It was... Sleep paralysis. It was, yeah, it was awful. And people would tell me, well, you've just gone through a traumatic event, you know, basically implying that we were just hallucinating. I had a lot of people telling me that. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. There's like cabinet doors flying open in our house. Like this is not shit that I'm just making up. I'm not going crazy here. So I was desperate for some kind of answer. And of course I had grown up, you know, and I talk about this in the paranormal, so I won't go into a lot of more detail with this. I grew up in the Christian environment. So I'd pray over things and temporarily things would get better, but then all this shit would start again. And then I talk about how my husband came on the scene he is a seer. I talk about this a lot in that paranormal episode, so I'm not going to go into details about that, but he was describing things in my house that my five-year-old daughter had described to me. And so he, up to that point, had never shared any of this information with anyone in his life except for one other person that was also a seer. And so because I had had all this stuff with my five-year-old, I guess he felt kind of comfortable to say, hey, yeah, I can see this stuff too. <laughs> so all this shit is going down and I am desperate for answers. And the church that we were in was kind of just getting freaked out about the whole thing. Like they didn't know what to do with it. And so I am trying to seek out other churches, other denominations that felt comfortable talking about this stuff. And that's how we ended up in a charismatic circle in charismatic churches where they're like, oh yeah, they, to my husband, they're like, oh yeah, you're a seer. It was like, no big deal. Like, oh, yeah, we see that stuff, too. Yeah, there's one over there. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, you know what he's talking about? Like, this is not weird to you? Like, oh, no, there's lots of them out there. Oh, Bob over there. He's a seer, too. I'm like, what? So immediately I'm gravitating to these people because I'm like, I need answers. Like, my five-year-old is being terrorized like help me out here and they're like oh we got you girl we got you we got this and so of course they're coming at it from a standpoint of spiritual warfare right where it's demons and angels and there's this you know of course eternal battle good and evil and it's all in a spiritual context right well, in the charismatic church, they believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and gifts of the Holy Spirit being like you speak in tongues, you can see, you can prophesy, prophesy. 
you know, which is kind of like seeing into the future. All these, there's seven of them, I Not think. Not so or, much or seeing into the future as, I mean, that can be, sorry, I'm going to go on a little tangent. It can <laughs> be seen into the future. I think that's specifically the office of the prophet is what it's called. It's given to only like specific people, but prophecy is specifically more like hearing from God and like, so like anyone can do that really. But like when we think of prophecy, we think more like you hear a word from God and you're like, oh, go tell that person. Like, this is what they need to hear right now. So this is not something that you, the churches I grew up in did not believe in this. Largely Baptist churches and some non-denominational churches do not believe. They believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit died a long time ago and this no longer exists anymore. But charismatic churches are like, oh, hell no, no, this is very much alive and well. So they told us, hey, let's baptize you in the Holy spirit so you guys can activate these gifts and i'm like okay cool fine baptize me in the holy spirit activate me activate <laughs> me whatever that means right so they did they they did this baptism of the holy spirit over our whole family and they're like yeah some people start speaking in tongues right away some people get the gift later but everyone can do it well okay so everyone in the family starts speaking in tongues some of them right away and some of them a little later but not me and i'm like i don't feel any different like what's wrong here like uh did it work on me because i don't know what the fuck you guys are doing like none of this makes sense to me and they were like well you could practice if you want like just start saying sounds and it probably will start coming to you i'm like that's just weird i don't get any of this right now Now, i have to ask like does it feel a little like peer pressure like when you feel like oh i'm the only one not speaking in tongues maybe i sh- should go along with it or well i i don't think that way like that yeah. that's my not... mom has never felt peer pressured <laughs> in her life but it was i guess it was more like did it not work on me like did it not take like did i do something what wrong? am i doing wrong <laughs> did, like... was my activation code expired <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was more my line of thinking it wasn't really about the fact that I, but plus also, you know, I'm like one of those, it's like, I, I want to try everything and I don't get to try what you guys are doing. Like you're going around and speaking this weird Your fear of missing out. Should I do it right now? Or will that freak you guys out? <laughs> I, don't I can know. also do it. That'd be fun. Never mind. I don't remember how to do it. So you hear people talking like this and you're like, that is weird. So I had no idea what was going on. I'm like, I'm missing out on this. I don't even know what you guys are doing. I don't know how you're doing it. I'm so like out of the loop here. Um, And of course, they're all like, yeah, it's easy. It's no big deal. But it'll come. It'll come. Don't worry about it. Well, a week later, it still hadn't come. Like I was still in the same state. Like, I don't understand what happened. So the pastor's wife sat with me one on one. And she started doing something to me that we actually did at this breathing event. He had us touch, you know, and this is after I'm starting to feel the energy in our hands. And I think that was intentional that he had us like basically get our whatever energy we needed in our hands. And he had us put our hands on our bellies. And I think that must have been some some trick of activation. So she had done that to me when she sat with me one on one and she was speaking in tongues over me. And she kept asking me, you know, are you feeling anything? Are you, you know, she was asking me questions. She was trying to figure out, was there any kind of mental blocks, you know? And we sat together for probably an hour or two. And she was like, well, don't worry about it. Like, it'll come when it comes. Just, you know, don't stress over it. I'm like, okay. So I walked away from that one-on-one meeting 
still as clueless as ever. Like, fine. I guess I just don't get to do it. <laughs> I don't get to have fun like everyone else. Do they mention chakras at all? The chakras, they have different parts of your body down the midline and you focus your energy on like one spot and you find out what's blocking you and what might be blocking her is different than what is blocking somebody else. And so the hand on your belly and the hand on your heart is your heart chakra and you have your third eye and a lot of it, it's the same types of techniques being done in different religions and pushing for basically the same results, but they're using a different terminology and then telling you that the others are evil. So it's <laughs> that is like, interesting. Oh. I never thought about that. That's uh-huh, actually really the gathering your hand, the energy in your hand and balancing it over yeah. is definitely an energy work that has to do with chakras. And so they have the rainbow colors. There's like seven that go down your body and focusing on each one at a time is connecting you to, from the mind body connection and thinking about what it is that is holding. Are you holding your tension there? Are you holding it somewhere is it in your chest is it in your belly is it in your throat and all of those are the same kinds of techniques that it sounds like the church is doing just with a different name right so well yeah and i think you're onto something there um one thing that i had brought up in the paranormal episode is that i had met with a an accountant it was a business meeting of all things but you know me i don't i don't stay service level so even in my business meetings we're going deep but her and i had gotten into this discussion i had told her about all this paranormal shit that was going down and she had had similar experiences and so she actually had a podcast where she talks about all this spiritual stuff so i tell all this story in the paranormal stuff so i won't get into all that detail but her theory was essentially because she didn't believe in the same things that I did at that time, that all it was was frequencies. And she said she also believed that there was a spirit world and that because of all her own paranormal experiences, she was on the same page that, yes, there are spiritual beings. But she was saying you attracted them because of your low frequency. After that event with your husband, that you essentially were attracting these dark beings because you were operating at a lower frequency and they were attracted to that. And I said, you know, that makes so much sense to me that that, uh, there could be something to that because... Yes, I would pray and I would declare Jesus's name over it. And my husband, who could see what was going on, he would say, all of a sudden it lit up bright as day and these things would disappear, but then they would come right back. And so her theory was in that moment, you increased your frequency like that because you held on to some faith that regardless of whether it's true or not, in your mind, it was true. And so you elevated your frequency so rapidly into the point that it was repelling them It was repelling them away from it. But whenever things regulated and you kind of went back to your normal daily routine, now you're back in that lower frequency and you're attracting them back. And I was like, that makes sense to me because I wondered why eventually it all went away. And it makes sense that the further away we got from my husband's suicide and the more we're like dealing with all of that and getting back to a new normal, how that would just naturally we would come out of that fear state into more of a normal frequency, if you will. So it made sense to me. I'm like, that is the best explanation I have ever received for why it happened that way. And that really goes along with that whole power of positive thinking stuff and the opposite too. Like, you know, last episode, you talked about the really shitty, horrible day you had. It was like when you start to have a bad day, you start thinking that the day sucks, everything's bad, and then bad things keep happening. And you were were looking for the bad things and they're attracting the bad things and it just piles on top. And then you're just like reaffirmed that, oh my God, it's a bad day. Instead of going, oh, he Mm -hmm. doesn't want to wait in line because he wants to come see me right now. He cares about 
about me, you went, oh, he doesn't want to wait in line because he doesn't care yeah. about me. Nope. He ain't, bringing, gonna... he ain't bringing that damn Whataburger. <laughs> <laughs> and we're referring back to our episode where I was talking about my Vegas trip. So if you'd like more details on that, listen <laughs> to that listen, episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like the frequency so, thing definitely goes in line with like just your mindset. Yes, absolutely. There's absolutely something to this. But okay, so going back to my story, she sits with me one-on-one. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but nothing has happened. And she's even telling me to try to activate the speaking in tongues. She's like, just make some sounds. It felt so weird. Is this the pastor's wife? Or yeah, the, the pastor's chick? wife. Okay. No, sorry. Yeah, I'm reverting back okay. to the story where I'm trying to get activated and nothing's happening, right? You try charcoal. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, yeah, how weird is it if you don't have never spoken in tongues before and just just start doing it. Just just do just, it. I'm just like, do it. I don't know how. I don't know what to do. It was like, Is there a YouTube video for this? <laughs> I was just sitting is there. there like, WikiHow. Yeah. yeah. I, I literally had no idea what to do. So anyway, we ended up going home that night. We go to bed. Literally in the middle of the night is when it happened. You start speaking in tongues in the middle of the night? No, not speaking in tongues. Oh, okay. But the activation. And I don't even know how to explain. I was dead asleep when it happened. And I I just don't even know how to describe exactly the... It was definitely euphoric. It was like... The only way I can describe it is like a bottle of energy or a, a, a mass of energy in the center of me. Like like in my... If, if, if I could say my stomach area, I guess. But it was like at my core. And it... It was very interesting because I felt so protective over it. I'll never forget that. I felt so protected. Like, I have to protect this. It was the weirdest thing. And I just can't even, I'm having trouble articulating like this feeling. It's what I imagine heaven would be like. Like, like just this euphoric, like everything is wonderful. And this is, I just love this, love it. And I have to protect it. And it's just, it was, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how to describe it. And it was with me, I think for a solid 24 hours or so. And I just remember like, this is the best thing. I hope this never goes away. It was so like amazing. And then it slowly started going away it would come like certain times of the day and then it would go away and I remember so I realized something had happened right that something had been activated but I had no idea how any of this shit worked you know I grew up in a Baptist church we did not deal with any of this so I'm like am I just gonna start randomly speaking in tongues and I remember I was going to college at the time and I remember sitting in an accounting class going what if I start speaking in tongues (laughs) in the middle of class (laughs) I was and, you know, I'm not one that fears like peer yeah. pressures, but for some reason that scared the shit out of me that I was just going to arbitrarily speak in tongues in the middle of class. You were going to lose control <laughs> over your mouth. So I was holding rattlesnakes and people yes. are like, what is going on? Now, when she was placing her hands on you and trying to activate you, did the glow that you feel or that you felt during the night, was it in the same place that she that, was? Yeah, that she had like touched on me. Would so you say it was like kind of above your belly button, like right in there? Or was it like I couldn't lower? tell you that specifically. Like, you know, of course, this was just, years ago now. Yeah. I just remember it being like like in the stomach area, 
in the core of me. That's mm-hmm. the only way I know how to describe it. But I still couldn't speak in tongues. Like, seriously, days after that, still didn't know what the fuck with the speaking in tongues thing, even after the activation. So I'm like, I, I don't know. I guess maybe I didn't get maybe that that's gift. that's one of the superpowers <laughs> I don't have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no parcel tongue. No parcel tongue. <laughs> but it wasn't until the next church service on Sunday where singing worship and, you know, they have the words to the worship songs up on the screen and I'm just singing as I normally do. And at some point during the worship service, it dawns on me because I can't hear myself because everyone's singing and it's loud and there's instruments and stuff. It dawns on me. My lips are not moving to the words on the screen. I can't hear myself, but I realized I am not saying what's up there. <laughs> it was the trippiest thing. I'm like, Oh my god! I'm doing it! I'm, I'm doing, doing it! it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like so odd. It was the weirdest thing. And so from there on out, did you get the euphoric moment when um, you realized that you were doing it? Oh, it was just like finally, like I'm not broken. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what it was, but that's all of a gonna sudden, be the moment I have if I can ever come with somebody. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> and you're gonna cry, and then you're like, the fuck. <laughs> And they're never going to want to see me again. I'd be like, no, come back. Yeah. Hit me up on my birthday. (laughs) So now it does come up. It's not like a completely involuntary thing. It's not like I couldn't stop it if I didn't want to. (laughs) But it does periodically, even to this day, it will just randomly occur to me to start doing it. It's very interesting. It's been the most fascinating thing. And I journaled a ton during this time frame, by the way. I journals. I have journals. I don't know how many journals because every time something new happened, I was like, I want to journal this and I want to record this because we were having so much happen in such a short amount of time, you know, and this was me like seeking answers. Like we need help, help me here. Like my, my daughter's being terrorized. We got the weirdest shit going on. I need help. And so just everything that was happening during that time, I was journaling like crazy. I do have to ask. So when you were doing this breathing session, did you have the urge then to start speaking in tongues? No, no, I never did. So it's just random. It literally is just random times. And then a lot of times I've noticed the urge will come whenever I'm experiencing a negative emotion. It almost seems like I've kind of tied it into a comfort thing too. So that a lot of times that'll happen, but then sometimes it's just completely random out of the blue, nothing weird it going kinda, on. It would kind of make sense because speaking in tongues, what I've heard about it is like, you know, like your secret language to God, essentially, that like other forces can't understand except for God. So, it, you know, if you're going through it and like other forces are like picking at you, like get mad, yeah. get mad, get mad. <laughs> and be something get up. And yeah. like. You just have the urge. You're like, all right, I need a moment. Like, <laughs> So the reason why I brought up this whole backstory is because one thing that after that activation started happening is in my hands, I started being able to feel, I mean, the only way I can describe it is energy. Like I'm feeling it right now. Every time I tell the story about any of this, I'll start feeling it in my hands, but I'll even feel it on certain people. Hazel, I've brought up before. Hazel was one that I could always feel it on her. And she was big into frequencies and energy. She She's big into that. She reads a lot of books about it and really like practices harnessing that. So when I was close to her, I would feel it in my hands and her and I would do exercises where we put our hands together, where you like, you could feel it really strongly when our hands were together. So certain people I can feel it on, 
But even like, especially in those early days when I first got that activation, I felt it strong in certain places. And I remember in particular, you'll probably remember this, Mako. We went to a comic book store and this one aisle of the comic book store, it was tripping me out so bad. I'm sure the employees were wondering what the hell I was doing because I kept just walking up and down the aisle because I was like, I want to know exactly where this starts and where it stops. Like, this is the way I'm thinking about all this stuff that's happening to me is like, what is going on? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so I'm like, okay, exactly where do I start feeling it like I'm like literally marking the places in the aisle of where the feeling started and stopped and I'm like okay what is in this section and and I'm having the kids come over I'm like guys look around do you see anything weird like right here in this area I remember that you remember remember? you had a search in like bloodhound like (laughs) find find what could be the source of this and where I'm like taking pictures of everything in the aisle because I'm like I want what is in this aisle that there's like all of this and it was like negative energy right it was like it was a tightening of my throat I was feeling it in my hands too but it was like this weird sensation I could only describe like a snake around my throat or something and I never answered the question of what is it in this aisle I still don't know like why was that spot of that store having that energy when you take me back there tomorrow to get hookups (laughs) if you if you meet a nice person on that aisle probably run yeah you need to go back with the emf detector (laughs) but i'd have it happen in stores like that whole foods it happened in the supplements aisle and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, don't take those up. <laughs> <laughs> Some like, heavy metals there. What's going on over here? It was so weird. But this is all stuff that I'm journaling and journaling and journaling. Like, what is this? You know, so anyway, that was a very long-winded yeah. way of saying I had some, like, setup to this experience. You know, I wasn't going into this completely unprivy to harnessing energy, I guess. You've been baptized. Yeah, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. So yeah, she can speak I, tongues now. It's I, no big D. I did find out the physiological reasoning for the lobster claws and the tingly oh, face. Oh, really? Did you? Mm, yes. So, Do I uh, research over here? Give us the science, Vixen. All right, the yeah. one-minute explanation. Uh, because I was like, well, if you're hyperventilating, you, you're having too much oxygen. Well, the The way that your body's blood system works is when you breathe in oxygen, you exhale carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide turns into carbonic acid in your blood and it works as a vasodilator. So the lower pH of the acid makes your blood vessels more open. When you're doing these breathing exercises, you're getting in so much oxygen that you have a lower amount of carbon dioxide that's going to raise the pH of your blood into a more alkaline state and it constricts your veins. Interesting. So, so wow. now the so parts of your body like- that have tiny vasculature systems already, your hands, your face, your feet are now no longer going to get the blood flow that they're used to. So you're going to get that contraction, that tingly feeling in those regions. And so the whole idea behind the breathing into a paper bag when somebody's having a panic attack is because it's holding the carbon dioxide close. So you're getting more carbon dioxide back in and that's going to act as a vasodilator to calm you down. Oh, interesting. Mm. I did not so know that. So the carbon dioxide is more important than the oxygen in that system. Interesting. That's insane. Yeah. And I wonder if this is why it's related to so much healing because alkaline mm. pH is preferable, right? Because there's a lot of cancer and well, stuff that can't. Well, the, the thing is that that's in a Petri dish and your body keeps your pH at an extremely narrow window. 
if you go out by 0.1 or more than 0.1 in any direction, you're dead. Your body has its own system in place to keep that there. And even I had a friend whose son was in a coma after some bad seizures. And when we were talking, like, the only thing that's showing up on the blood work is his pH is off. And I went, is he on oxygen? And they're like, no. And I went, they need to get him on oxygen. She goes, they just came in the room and put him on oxygen. And I'm like, because his respiration is wrong, it's messing with his pH. You know, that's how your body is breathing to maintain its pH. So this idea that you drink alkaline water and that it's going to cure your body. No, it's going into your stomach acid. Different parts of your body ha- need to have different pHs. So your stomach is at like a two. Your blood is closer to like 7.4. Like your vagina your, is something different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but your vagina needs to be more acidic yeah. than the rest of your body. And each needs to be in its own place. And if you eat healthy and drink water, your body will maintain itself. You don't. It doesn't Fucking need water. your help. I actually got really mad. I was at Whole Foods one day. They had the alkaline water and it was lemon alkaline water and I'm like oh I'm buying this and took it into, took it into my class during pH day and went all right let's measure the pH of the alkaline water that's lemon flavored and sure enough you read the container and it's like oh well it was alkaline when bottled but yeah they added lemon to it so guess what the pH is no longer alkaline oh, because wow. you literally put acid <laughs> you're putting citric acid but, so yes. funny. but literally you're st- the only time you need to be drinking alkaline water or anything like like that is if you're dealing with heartburn and that's your stomach acid is escaping up, then yes, get taking in something basic, milk and magnesia, something like that, even just regular milk is going to be more alkaline. It's going to neutralize that. So it'll burn less. I am but, no. so impressed right now. Like I'm just sitting here like listening so attentive. I could listen to you talk all day. <laughs> Dr. Vixen in the house. <laughs> so on the, the tingling aspects, but you said that it felt like a panic attack without the panic. Mm-hmm. And that's what it is. It's you're still doing that same hyperventilating motion but you're in control of it. And I'm yes, that is exactly what I was thinking when that process was like, I physically feel like I'm having a panic attack that's like guided, but no panic. And mm-hmm. what he was saying was that he wanted, like he was talking about unrepressing emotions. And he was saying that like, we are going, like you are going to be triggered, like mentally essentially. And that is exactly how I felt. It was like I was being triggered in a safe place yeah, in a way that I could handle it mm-hmm. because that was mainly what I was worried about going into it. I was like, if I get like, triggered if i have like a traumatic memory come up am i going to be able to handle that apparently yes and because you were in control the right nervous system was in play at that moment you didn't hit that freeze panic response Mm -hmm. you could hold on to it and maintain your control and think through what happened and go was that as bad as it seems was that something that still needs to weigh on me now Mm -hmm. so do you want to talk about how you came to the realization that you had repressed anger I have a lot of repressed anger, fellas. (laughs) Like I said, my therapist had told me, and I've had friends tell me, like, you have a lot of repressed anger. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, no, I don't. I will stab you. (laughs) (laughs) Get the fuck out of my way. (laughs) During that process... I mainly felt rage and my therapist labeled it as injustice, like rage for injustice, which is the most that is that is accurate because the most times I felt angry was related to injustice. But this time it was injustice about myself and my younger self. I was so mad. I was screaming at the top of my lungs out of anger and rage because I was so mad that my entire life 
I have been sanitized. I have been censored. I have been treated as if I am wrong or incorrect in some way. And I was just so fucking mad. Can I give some context to that? Mm -hmm. So Mako is definitely her own person. I'm very autistic. Well, that <laughs> clinically. Well, yes, obviously you're on the spectrum, but that's not exactly what I meant. Eccentric, I think, would be a good adjective for it. And you're purposefully a nonconformist. You hate conformity. Indeed, I do. And so I, I always mean, have. Just to describe some of your physical traits, you're in here with a half shaved head with pink hair, you know, so you are not going to conform to. You didn't even talk the, about my leg hair. I, oh, I am so too. proud of my leg hair. Well, you're hair. wearing pants. We can't see your leg hair. Here's my gorgeous we go. leg Look hair, ladies. <laughs> I've been growing this since I was 11 or 12. <laughs> I saw a thing today that said fishnets became popular because the regular tights covered women's leg hair and that they liked the fishnets because they could see the leg hair. And at the time, it was before shaving. And it was like, damn it. Like, bring back the fishnets so we don't have to shave anymore. Amen. <laughs> So just all that to say that you are very much about being out of the ordinary. I value my freedom to be who I am more than anything and the acceptance from others to be who I am no matter what. I was just telling my boyfriend about this. This is why we've been getting into a little discussion because I was asking him after that session, I was like, would you be able to handle accepting me and loving me if I did something you did not personally agree with? And don't get into the details of that because I don't want to get us on a rabbit trail. (laughs) No, I won't. You brought up a specific issue that we won't get into right now. That if you did this thing, would he still accept you? Mm-hmm. But it's not about the, the issue, the right. unnamed issue. Right. It, I've been telling him at the end, I've been trying to nail into his head. I'm like, it's about whether or not you are able to accept me as my person, even if you don't condone my actions or my past actions. And do you feel like you are here, like in this life to bring about that change, to like bring other people to your same level or like that you're here for a purpose to shake things up or I'm is here it... to fuck around and have a good time. <laughs> I don't uh, care for a shit if anyone is in... good time. I don't care. I don't care if anyone's inspired or, or by my actions or whatever. I want to do what I want to do. I want to have fun. I want to be loving to others and have others love me. I am just simply here to have a peaceful, fun, good old damn time. So in this breathing session, you're feeling anger towards the fact that you feel like your whole life people and I'll even include myself in this and you and I had a conversation about this I'm obviously I've come into a lot of realizations lately but early in your life when I was still very much in the conservative Christian mindset I was trying to get you to conform indeed I remember I was shocked a few years ago I don't even remember fully what year it was when you literally apologized to me for being homophobic to me that was life-changing to me that's when I truly like realized you had changed so yes a lot of change has happened in in recent years which Lolita has mentioned often on this podcast (laughs) but you've seen it more than everyone (laughs) Mm mm-hmm what did you, you say? She, I think Lolita says who you are now versus who you were eight years ago. Yes. And, and for her, who's who I was 
17 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen the whole entire transition. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you were feeling the anger, but you mentioned to me, you said it wasn't just you. It was schools, it was, it was schools, churches, churches. Out, you know, other family members. Indeed. And yeah, so like my whole life, I've been put down for doing what I wanted to do and doing things that were freeing for me. Like in church, I would often like do like flag worship where, you know, which is basically it is what it is. You take two flags, you start dancing with them with the worship. It's basically another form of worshiping God. Some churches don't even believe in dancing. (laughs) For one. Cough Baptist. Cough. (laughs) But much less free dancing. Right, right. So I remember this one church, this was a memory that came up for me, this one church that we all went to. But this was before discovering the charismatic churches. This, no, 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 this, this was during, even during The charismatic that. church is big on flags. Yeah. That's what they, I was saying. This, yeah. this was before discovering that that was an option. This no, was, this was during. This was even in charismatic churches where we started really, I started really, and I'm socially anxious. Like, I don't want attention on me that much. But um, she gravitated towards the flags. I did gravitate towards the flags. And it was extremely freeing for me to be able to worship God in a way that felt right to me in a way that felt like I was like pushing the bounds of who I was and like I don't know just learning to get out there get out of my body I remember doing beautiful flag worship quoting someone else (laughs) I remember doing flag worship and having just a wonderful free time and then someone a church official comes up to me and says you need to stop like you cannot do that Like, you are distracting from the sermon and you need to stop. And I started crying. Like, that was heartbreaking for me. For sure. Have you looked at flow arts now, even outside of, like... Church settings. Outside of church settings, but flow arts in terms of, like, poi and hoops and things like that? I just I just already do other shit like yeah. I'm in theater. I'm just close enough for me. <laughs> I just figured if you already liked that kind of thing, they do have a lot of wings and different types of things. But they, if you just search for like flow arts, it's really popular within the autism community of finding something that people like their repetition and the enjoying your own body. And it is something that is very common in any kind of neurodivergent population mm-hmm. that flow arts comes up and finding you're happy. Yeah. So that I, could be something that, that could be you something. enjoy. I, did, I have been wanting to go back into dance because I love mm-hmm. dance. So, so yeah, you're that's, just having memories come to you yes. during this time. And I was just enraged. <laughs> and and he did warn us. He said, you're going to be crying. You're going to be sobbing. You're going to be yelling. All this stuff is going to be starting to come out and just let it come. Whatever comes, just let it come. And that's when he said, too, about throwing up. He said it may come in the form of vomit. Just let it out. Like all the negative energy is going to start rising out of you in whatever form it comes, let it come out. Yeah, I was screaming. I was just so angry. I was literally having war crimes, like just so mad. But not only that, but I felt a lot of sorrow as well for like how I was mistreated. And I basically came to the conclusion. I was like, I didn't deserve that. And I still don't deserve that. No, it's righteous indignation. And I I just don't deserve to be censored and put down for who I am and what I want to do, essentially. What was interesting, taking it to a corporate level, the energy in the room at first, when he used the adjective exorcism, that is exactly how it sounded at first in the room. 
it was like if I could compare it to being in a haunted house, you know, <laughs> where there's all kinds of like terrorized screaming going on. That is what it sounded like in that room. I am so curious what other people in the hotel thought was yeah, going that was on my there. Thought. That is like, what I been, wanted to say. You mentioned from a corporate level, and I'm like, ooh, I wonder if they have to like book a new hotel each time. <laughs> that is actually something I wanted to talk about because I left to go to the bathroom, you know, nature calls, whatnot. After I left, I could hear them all screaming in unison <laughs> outside the door. And I was like, oh, God, everyone in this hotel can hear this. <laughs> yeah, but that's seriously how it, it at first that was the energy in the room. It was rage. It was sorrow. It was I mean, any intense negative emotion that you could think about was coming out. And for me, I did start crying. That was coming out. But I would say overall, the experience for me was more on the euphoric side. But the energy in that room for, I don't know, probably a good at least five minutes was just terror, really, like that terrorized screaming going on. And then it was very interesting because it started transitioning to laughter Mm -hmm. and giggles and giddiness. It was very interesting how the room together was going through these shifts in energy. It was fascinating. And then towards the end, when we're starting to wind down, it was like a big sigh in the room. It was like, <sighs> oh yeah, he told it us was like sigh. Peaceful. Which actually, I did want to talk about that because I've learned that sighing is like a mental reset for you, like physiologically. So when you sigh, you're kind of just like, you know, you're just kind of mentally resetting, like I said. So the fact that he brought it up, I was like, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> so as he's going through this, like I said, every three or four minutes, he's changing the exercise, you know, and at first, like I said, the energy was very screaming and crying and then it's shifting to laughter and giddiness and all that. So my personal experience is through all of this, I'm getting this intense vibration from the center of my body. And it was just, it was trippy. It felt really good though. And all this stuff is starting to flow through my mind. I'm starting to have this euphoric experience where it felt like anxiety was gone. Fear was gone. Like all this negativity was flowing out of me. And it's like, can you imagine making decisions in your life without the fear and anxiety involved? Cause that's what it was like. And all of a sudden like dilemmas in my life and problems and stressors that I had been contemplating and thinking about, it's like instantly it's all clear what to do, what to think about it. It's like, it just all came together. And so all this stuff is flowing through my mind. And that's where I created this room, right? I got to remember all this shit. <laughs> I have all the answers quick. <laughs> no. And then at one point later into this session, I was, I did literally start writing down stuff. Cause I was like, I just, I'm just going to jot down things. So I don't forget this stuff because this is good stuff. Could you read any of the notes later? Some of them I could not <laughs> for real. For some of them, I was like, what the fuck claws. was that? Yeah, no, for real. It was like, what the hell is this? But one thing I wanted to mention at one point in the middle of all of this, he wanted us to do a collective yell. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want this to come from the core of your being. Dig deep come from your belly and yell as loud as you can. And he was going to count down and he told me, I'm going to count down when I count down 
everyone in the room is going to yell from their core as loud as you can. Yeah, I am genuinely surprised that I did not have a sore throat the next day. <laughs> I think that was literally like some kind of universe protecting me because I, I, you know, I went to a concert and I was singing like, yeah, let's go. And I was down for like a week. But at, like the day after I was completely fine. I'm still completely fine. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, that's partially because if you're yelling from down here and uh, not from your throat. throat. Oh. Yeah. Cheerleading so training. Go, next time you go to a concert, Belt do it, it from, from the belly. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how cheerleaders can do all of the yelling without losing our voices. You shouldn't be using your throat when you're yelling. Same thing for theater. They teach you projection from yeah, here. I definitely had to learn that recently. <laughs> yeah. So I am absolutely convinced after multiple experiences I've had that there is power in the collective. There is power. Literal, energetic power to the collective and i've seen this even before this breathing event i mentioned in the tantra speed dating episode the kid rock thing the kid rock thing where we went in nashville we went to kid rock song came on and everyone in the place knew it and all together everyone is belting at the top of their lungs the song and i could feel the energy i mentioned i can feel it in my hands and i was feeling it the energy in the, the hive room. mind <laughs> and then certainly in the charismatic churches that i've been to a lot of them i would get that collective experience when as a collective we were doing things like that cuz they're they're trying to ignite that same experience in those church services and conferences so there was oftentimes when we would be doing something as a collective and i would start feeling in my hands specifically, but sometimes other places, I would feel that energy rise. So there is power in the collective, but that was on steroids in this breathing event. When he said, counted down, and all of us started screaming at the top of our lungs, instantly I was transcended. It was like in an instant, I fully understood. Maybe not fully, because who knows if I got to the level I could get, who knows. But I understood at that point what transcendence meant because it happened for me in that instant. I lost all sense of smell, touch, taste. All the senses were gone. And I think that's why people compare it to an out-of-body experience because it feels like you're out of your body because you're not hearing, touching, smelling, seeing anything. You are still. It's like there's nothing, but it's peace. It is the weirdest thing. I wonder if that's what it's like to die. <laughs> I well, was going to say, uh, people that have described being dead and yeah, then coming back. Yeah. Like I mean, that also reminds me, I was going to say, it, I didn't know how to segue it in, but when you were talking about receiving all of this like information and all of these things becoming clear to you that you just were just so stressed about before, it almost reminded me of the experience of people who have attempted suicide and survived who have said, all of a sudden, like right before I hit on the way down, on the way down, everything, everything became clear to me and like yeah. everything became solvable to me. Mm -hmm. So exactly. that's what it reminded me of. Yes. And that's exactly what my experience was like. It was just like I was in this euphoric state where and I would say anxiety or fear were completely removed. I don't know that that's humanly possible, but that's what it felt like. It was just like, well, those I, things no longer had importance. Right. Exactly. And my definition of love personally is the absolute of fear. To me, there's a scale that at one end is complete fear and the other end is complete love. So to me, when you're in love or love someone, it's just simply the absence of those walls and protective measures that we're taking because we feel safe. And then when you fall out of love, in my opinion, it's just because you've built those walls back up because 
you no longer feel as safe. To me, that's love. Interesting. So whenever I was in this euphoric state of not feeling that fear, I felt so much love. But the only way I know how to describe it. And it was love for myself. I also experienced that. I experienced, well, maybe not as intense as you, but I definitely did experience a lot of compassion for my younger self. I never really had like, my therapist has tried like time and time again to like, okay, connect with your younger self. I'm like, I don't fucking know what to do. Like, but that is when I truly felt like I was connecting with my younger self and like hugging her and being like, I'm sorry you had to go through that. And I love you. And I want to do good by you. Have you seen your therapist since then? Yeah, I saw him uh, today, actually. Did you tell him about your experience? He was like, yeah, you you definitely have a lot of repressed, ang- a lot of repressed anger, so I'm glad you finally got it out. <laughs> <laughs> and he still talks about me repressing anger against my biological dad because he was saying, like, you know, people who have loved ones who commit suicide, they don't realize it, but they are angry at the people who killed their loved ones, you know, it's which is themselves. a selfish choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's still trying to get me to like get and tap in that anger. I was like, I don't feel like I don't feel angry about it. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I guess I got to go back and get angry about it. Do the breathing again. I got to do breathing again. Now, have you ever had any experience with anything like magic mushrooms, shrooms, any kind of psychedelics, anything like that? No, I haven't even smoked a cigarette. I have never gotten high. My friend Mel keeps telling me he wants to see me get high, but I've never done anything. Well, specifically for psilocybin, magic mushrooms, one of the reasons that they're using it in therapy is it basically is a quick way to jump you straight to that transcendence and it opens blood flow to parts of your brain that don't normally talk to each other because it basically turns off the control center and lets your mind wander and it makes you really good at pattern recognition. Cool. So where do you, I get them? Um, they are work- Vixen's car. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say they, they're actually legalizing it in multiple states currently or it has been legalized. And so one of the things that is so beneficial for it, though, is to find that clarity and to know, oh, suddenly these are all the business choices that I need to make and everything clicks into place without having to do years of therapy, therapy and and breathing and meditation work, mindfulness training and everything. It's a shortcut to get you right to that point. You're and right then here. Do drugs. Hopefully your notes are legible and it's not all like <laughs> peanut butter puppy. <laughs> what? And so that's one of the reasons why if the legalization tactics are for use in therapy where you're being guided and somebody else can write down the notes for you. There you go. And you are they <laughs> write are down my babble, please, or just work. record me. Yes. They help you. Work we should all take mushrooms it. and then listen to the recording back. <laughs> That would be fucking hilarious. I'm not going to lie. Maybe that's something we should do in Nashville. (laughs) Yeah, we would never be able to do that in Texas. I have to go to, I think, Colorado and either Washington or Oregon. Girls trip? (laughs) You know, I'm down to clown. (laughs) I just want to try drugs like once. If you're a government official, you did not hear that. <laughs> you have not committed any crime. I have not. It's all a bit. Spe- speculating it's is not a, a crime. <laughs> well, it was weird because at one point he told us to make weird noises. That's what he told us. He says, make weird noises. Because he didn't matter. want to what, say speak in whatever. tongues. Speak in tongues. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said. Just make the weirdest noise that comes to you. Just do it. And it was so funny because I was thinking, wow, I sound so weird right now. And it was like I had an awareness that other people around me could hear me. But like there was none of that like 
self-consciousness. Yeah. And I don't normally have a lot of that anyway, but I remember thinking like, I don't have any self-consciousness about how fucking weird I sound right now. (laughs) Did you have any of that? I think I had either gone to the bathroom or just returned from the okay. bathroom. So that might have been the weird sounds you were hearing from the hallway. <laughs> Probably I was, was definitely screaming. <laughs> so I had teased at the beginning of this that I had an experience better than an orgasm. Somewhere in this, and again, I lost track of time, so I have no idea at what point this happened, but I remember having eventually those vibrations within me got so intense it was the exact same experience as having an orgasm except it wasn't radiating from my groin it was all over my body but it was exactly that same sensation of an orgasm but way more intense i am so fucking jealous (laughs) i just got unrepressed emotions This shit sucks. You just got raped. You didn't get an orgasm. <laughs> what the hell? Well, like I said, I think some of it could have been like what I experienced leading up to that that kind of set me up for that. And probably even... You got to build up to it. So maybe next time. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> going to say... I'll bring a vibrator to help. And I think it may have helped too that I've taken Pilates for the last year and a half or so because there's a lot of focus on mind-body connection in Pilates so that may have also helped because I think that mind-body connection is a lot of what is involved in getting to that. Okay, so if you never had an orgasm before, you know what to do now. Lots <laughs> <laughs> of breathing. Take Pilates. Uh, Pilates, paranormal experiences, trauma. <laughs> and lots of breathing. Lots of breathing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was like, this is fucking amazing. I just remember in that moment. How long going, did it last? I couldn't even tell you because I literally <laughs> lost track of all sense of time. Uh, but I you mean, mean, the afterglow Oh, I mean, like, like how I mean, long were you walking on oh, sunshine? This well, was just I mean, yesterday. Because, like, you know, an orgasm lasts maybe, what, like 20 seconds, maybe? Mm-hmm. Like, it could have been. I literally or, don't know. Because it was so weird because time had no relevance. It was just, like... Well, shrooms is usually yeah. a few days to a week after you still have that high glow well, no, in touch with the universe. That. I mean, no. I mean, after you know, he had like the wind down phase where, you know, towards the end of it, we're basically just doing shallow breathing and it's just You're coming quiet. back into your body. Right. You're coming back in your body. So it's like, you know, once it was over, He's you know. He's got to ground you. Right. We were, we were all back in our bodies and grounded and, and all that. And he had to tell the attention horse to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, because he was asking. like, it's over. Yeah. Stop it's it. It's like, everyone, shh. Because people were still trying to, like, yell out and, like, I don't know. <laughs> were you given any warnings for leaving about being able to drive or... No, no nothing? nothing like that, no. We, I mean, we're completely sober. Well, oh, but part of it isn't 100% sober. Um, one of the things from skydiving, though, they have to warn people because when you're in that, like, hyped up state afterwards, that the cops will just sit there because you're going to drive fast. Uh, after. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so they warn us specifically as we're leaving the skydive place to set your cruise control because you're going to want to speed. Yeah, I think <laughs> you right. just hurtled towards the earth at a very high speed. You're going to want to continue You're like, that. I can survive anything. Yeah, but on that one, it, like, when you mentioned that calm, for me, like once the shoot's pulled in, it's just silence and it's so calming. And people are like, you go to skydiving to be calm? <laughs> what? And it's like, yeah. It, 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 but it's something you can't explain to people until they felt it that you have to have that rush and then that yeah. relax. Yeah. yeah. The adrenaline. Yeah. 
It was it was very interesting. And, you know, so I obviously don't have all the answers or even close to all the answers. But Mako and I were talking about this the other day. Like both of us have experienced a lot of weird shit that while I don't know that I believe necessarily in God the way that I used to, I definitely am convinced there is a spiritual world that has entities I feel both good and bad or I shouldn't say good and bad. Good I and bad are extremely subjective. Different frequencies, shall we say. Light and dark. Light and dark, if you will. Low and high. Um, yeah, low and high frequencies, if you will. There's this book called The Veil written by Blake Healy. Actually, he wrote three books. And he is what the charismatic church calls a seer. And he writes in these books about a lot of things that he has seen. And I remember specifically a story he talked about where he had been swimming with his kids and he sees this woman come out and she is she has a life jacket. She has the arm floaties. She has an inner tube around her waist and the mask and snorkel gear like she is completely protected and outfitted for the worst circumstance. But it's just a swimming pool. And he was watching in fascination as this woman is diving under the water and then immediately flailing and coming back up. He found out later she was trying to conquer her fear of water. And so she kept diving in and then her anxiety would become overwhelming and she would pop back up. So he's he's talking about what's happening in the physical world. But what he as a seer was seeing in the spirit realm was this creature that was attached to her. And every time she would go down under the water, it became terrified and it was pulling at her to come back up. And so whenever I had talked to that accountant about the frequency thing and how things are attracted and repelled by frequencies, what I saw in that room, right, is our, our frequencies were changing, right? At first... There was all this wailing and crying and screaming and yelling and hollering and and just this intense negative energy, if you will. But then it started shifting and it made me wonder as we as a collective are increasing and raising our frequency, were we actually repelling out any entity that was in that room that was operating at a lower frequency. And is that why we were then all feeling more love and compassion towards ourselves and our surroundings and our circumstances? And and you said like the fear and anxiety didn't matter. So like any like being that was causing those might've left at that moment. Right. That's what I wonder. And and because of the experiences I've had, and Mako, you can speak for yourself that you've actually seen, I don't personally have any doubt that they exist. I know a lot of people are skeptical of that and they think that we're just, you know, hallucinating or we see what we think we want to see or what have you. But that's where I stand on it. Like, okay, I, I may not think that Jesus Christ is the only answer to this anymore because I do have my doubts about that because I, I am more into the, wait a minute, what if, I guess the question, and this is something that Mako and I had talked about the other day too, because she was like, but we got visions of Jesus too. And I said, but well, what if, just a question, what I'm asking is, is, is it possible that whatever the more light-filled entity or higher beings or spirit world is, what if it comes to you in the form that you will most accept it? Mm-hmm. That's the question Everybody I'm wondering. I, something different. I've heard it described as God is a diamond and it has many facets of the same creature. And when I mentioned, oh, 
she's holding her energy over this specific spot of your body. And now if I show you the chakra map, but if you said, oh, I'm going to go study chakras, they're going to go, oh, that's evil. Right. And it's all related to the same energy flows and just calling it under different names. Right. And that's what I wonder, because you're right. Yes. In in, in the charismatic world, talking about things like yoga or in any of these other spiritual things are seen as that's demonic. We don't touch that. I'll say something. Even when I was under the quote unquote mentorship of a family member of mine who was basically leading me through religion and in a very abusive way, I was doing an acting class at the time. And even some of the acting like practices that my teacher was having me do I would run them by this family member and she would basically be like yeah don't do that that doesn't feel right that that's demonic so it's just like there is such a restriction on so many things when you get like even more and more and more religious well and and at the time like when my husband told me that when I prayed in Jesus's name all this light filled the room and all those creatures left the house like at that moment I'm like well that is proof Jesus Christ that's the answer hello I mean what more proof do you need but now I'm realizing there absolutely are try calling many, out Allah and Buddha next many other it your, explanations it your belief right it's more about my belief in that moment mm-hmm. and because my belief was that Jesus Christ was the answer that's where the power was mm-hmm. that's where the power was and so I'm I'm obviously at a very different stage in my belief system today than I was at that point in time not that I'm saying Jesus Christ is not the answer maybe he is I don't know I'm saying I don't fucking know and neither does anyone else <laughs> But you're agnostic. <laughs> it's touche. Yeah. My yeah. mom came out to me. She's like, I think I'm agnostic. <laughs> and I was like, that's braver than I am. I'm too scared to like not believe in Jesus. No, no agnostics not believing. Agnostic saying, I don't know. Right. Atheist exactly. is not believing. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. No. But doesn't want to question once the security of knowing yeah. that this is going to be my salvation. Right. Yeah. Right. Wanting that absolute belief that, okay, I'm secure when I die. I'm good. I'm not going to hell. That's really what we're after is the alleviation of the fear. (laughs) I I can speak from experience. It certainly is. It very much is more of a control thing for me. I mean, my therapist has told me, it's like, you got control issues, girl. And I'm like, no, I don't. And then I do. (laughs) Uh, So that definitely is a, a heavy factor in it. It's like, I need to believe in something solid. So I know I'm all a-okay when I die. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really is just a technique to try to alleviate the anxiety surrounding death. And, you know, so I recognize that. So you you follow a book good enough and you're like, I'm I'm all solid. I'm good. We got this. Like I I followed the instructions exactly. So it was definitely a crazy, trippy experience. I am so glad we went. And he said he was coming back to Dallas in June. And I was like, I am there. She she started bribing my brother to go. He told you that you were only supposed to need to go once. I don't care. It was was euphoric and orgasmic. I am not missing it. You're going to go every time and he's going to start recognizing you. She's like, what's wrong with you? Punch card. (laughs) Fourth visit's free. He was going to be in Oklahoma 
Oklahoma City last night, and I'm thinking, hmm, that's Can only a three-and-a-half-hour drive. <laughs> if I hadn't been so swamped at work, I would, I would have totally made the drive. It been You're worth it. addicted to <laughs> that feeling now. Oh, it's so, See, it was so I'm good. telling you, microdosing will be a lot cheaper and easier. <laughs> same, but same kind of time commitment. Three, four hours. <laughs> no, I was thinking we should try that. <laughs> And with that, whether it be shrooms, breathing exercises, or repressed rage, go find your orgasmic inner peace. Thank you for listening. Please make sure to follow us on your favorite podcast channel. And if you love this, don't forget to leave a rating and review. To connect with us and ask questions, visit us at goodbadhorrible.com.